My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Can I know that fear of getting somebody into treatment as fast as possible? And, you know, whether you're the person seeking treatment or someone like myself, um, there's nothing worse than than not being able to get somebody else on the phone immediately because you only have that little tiny window. And so everything I'm doing, everything I'm building is to solve for that problem. And if I can get somebody into treatment just a little bit faster, I'm really happy. All right, welcome to The Boost, conversations with people promoting mental health. And I'm here with Jimmy Lyons, the VP of Growth at Further out of Brooklyn, New York is where you're based, right? Right, Steve. Good to see you today. Awesome. Yeah, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks. It's been a busy, cold week here, but I'm doing great. It's been a good week. Uh, excited to be on the show today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show too. And we're going to get into what Further is what you're doing. It's a really exciting tool that uh, you helped me learn about late last year. We talked kind of before the holidays and I've been thinking about it ever since. So as part of this, our, our audience, you know, behavioral health executives, marketers, clinicians, outbound sales, people, outreach and business development to have an AI powered, you know, application like yours is, is really exciting to learn more about. So I want to get into that with you. Before we do that, let's do what we always do, which is the virtual hug and the shameless plug. So give us your virtual hug, which is tell us somebody or something you're thankful for today. This might sound a little cliche, but I'm thankful for this very moment. You know, I think in our conversation, more of it will become more obvious, but there is a whole series of events that led me to this very moment. And, and so I'm just super grateful for it. And yeah, excited to meet you and, and just feeling really good about where we are as a company and where I am personally. Very cool. That's a good reminder for me to be in the present moment in this conversation with you. There's always logistical stuff with running a podcast and producing it and making sure the audio and the video is is up and running and everything but uh, I'll be here present with you too and I'm grateful for that too that's a first actually you're the first person to just say I'm, I'm grateful for this moment in time I like that a lot yes yes well I mean again it, it's been a journey and and you know part of that journey has involved doing a lot of work on myself and starting to to you know somebody somebody once told me to find joy in the mundane, you know, whether it was washing my hands or doing the dishes. And I went through a really 
tough couple of years. And that's what kind of got me through it, was just finding, finding that living in the moment was incredibly helpful and gave me joy and, and allowed me to focus on, you know, looking at things the glass half full. Hmm. I, I saw the other day, I'm reading this book called Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday. And in it, he says that somebody has done the math and the odds of you and I, or the you or I existing are one in 400 trillion, which is yeah. like playing the lottery 1.33 million times and winning every time. Right. <laughs> so we are lucky to be here, even with the hand-washing moments and the the boring and the mundane and, and getting the mail and making breakfast. It's like we've we've won the lottery tremendously just to be here. And the time, right? I mean, what a time to be alive, you know, and it's it's like the best of times. And I think it's also some of the most challenging times. You know, we are living longer than we've ever lived. We have access to technologies that we've never had access to before that make our lives a lot easier. But we're, it also means that we're very distracted. And I think it's really easy to lose sight of living in the present, living in the now. And so it's an exercise like anything, whether you know, you're training to run a marathon or you're training to live in the present. It's something that you really have to work at. It's a reminder, you know, and, and I'm constantly reminding myself every day of this idea of just focusing on what I'm doing right now and being ultimately really grateful for it because who knows, you know, I can step out in front of a bus tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Normally at this point, I might throw it to the shameless plug, which is talking about further and the amazing work you're doing. But I'm feeling like staying in the moment means circling back to a little bit of what you referenced earlier pre-call about your story. And then what you mentioned uh, just ahead of this, which is like, hasn't always been easy days. Tell us kind of a little bit more about that, whatever you're comfortable sharing, maybe of your story of how you got here and and any context that might help us understand why you got to this point of peace around enjoying the mundane and what that did for your life. Yeah. Well, the, the story started about 11 years ago. I, I was dating someone and we ended up starting a business together. I've been a founder. I'm not a founder at Further, but I have been a founder for about 11 years. And when I met this individual, he and I started a company together and we ran it for uh, about eight years. We had really good success. You know, starting a company with your partner is always a very dangerous proposition. But for us, it was it was a wonderful experience. That said, when I when I met him, he was in the throes of a, a pretty severe addiction. And, you know, he was kind of coming out of it when I first met him. He was able to get sober on his own. Within the first six months of us meeting, kind of, I had very little experience or exposure to addiction, and you know, he was sober for nine and a half years, almost ten years, and then about two years ago, he relapsed in a in a pretty major way. We we ended up winding down our company, you know, around COVID. COVID kind of was like a final blow to our business, and that just kind of kicked things off. A series of events that occurred. We're still friends. I will always love him. But, you know, so it was just an incredibly, incredibly difficult time, as everyone knows. And, you know, being a family member or a loved one of an addict carries its own 
way in, in some really big ways and I learned a lot about a lot through that experience and and this is where the intersection of my personal life and work you know come about in, in this really weird uh the universe works in mysterious ways I don't want to go into like the details but everybody knows what that experience is like you know fearing that this individual is not going to make it to tomorrow but and a friend of mine had started this company um building essentially it started as building chatbot solutions for the senior living world and they've since evolved the product into some wonderful with added some new wonderful features i'll kind of get into but you know right around when all this stuff was happening with with my ex and i was out of a job he said hey you know we're looking to expand into new verticals why don't you come help us out and i had just gone through the process of of getting my partner into three different rehabs over the course of a year and a half. I said, have you thought about behavioral health? I said, I've experienced this, this very problem of trying to get someone care. You know, and it's such a nuanced problem in behavioral health because when he would decide that it was time to go, it's like, okay, we got to go right now. Like, I, I, we have to go. But there's no waiting. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to talk about. But but I lived that experience, you know, and, and I struggled to get him into treatment. Um, and so when this, when I was approached about this job, I said, I think that there's a massive opportunity here. And, you know, it was this really, you know, I've, I've always looked at my career as this money-making endeavor. And, you know, what do I got to do to get the coin and to retire someday? And this one obviously has a different twist in that I'm, I built a solution. I took what they built in senior living and I rebuilt it based on my own experience. And so there's, a, there's an enormous amount of intelligence that's gone into this product, but there's also even more heart um, because I know what it's like and I know that fear of getting somebody into treatment as fast as possible. And, you know, whether you're the person seeking treatment or someone like myself, um, there's nothing worse than, than not being able to get somebody else on the phone immediately because you only have that little tiny window. And so everything I'm doing, everything I'm building is to solve for that problem. And if I can get somebody into treatment just a little bit faster, I'm really happy. And of course, there's like the business side of it, which we are doing very well because it is working. But I think it's working because I know what needs to get built and I know who to serve and how to serve them. Well, thank you for sharing your story and how helping someone who is relapsing or, you know, struggling with addiction uh, has a has an impact on people's lives that's beyond their own and tremendous and you can you can just feel it and hear it in your voice and your story and what an important point of many that you made which is that there's a small window of time you know it's not that that window opens and then it just stays open until care is received and on the contrary it's like care loves speed you know like when you need help you need it now and so further, and I'm sure other solutions out there as well are trying to solve for this, but further is, is one of those that's um, speeding that conversation, getting questions answered, 
uh, talk us through that. Let's not to leave the story totally behind. I want that to to live as part of this conversation, but get get us into what further does just as context for people who are listening. Yeah, so technically we are a conversion rate optimization platform. Now, practically speaking, what that means is you're driving a lot of traffic to a website or, or to any digital asset. We've figured out the tools uh, and features to convert that traffic. We do that through three primary features, a chat function, uh, what we call conversational web forms, and an IVR phone system. And our primary lead product is the chat function. And so, you know, again, what I did when I first joined was use my own experience and did some additional research into like, what exactly are the things that people visiting this site, what's the information that they really need in order to take that next step? You know, when you visit a lot of behavioral health websites, you know, they're optimized for SEO, which is great, but it also means that there's a ton of text and information and blah, it's, it's, it's a, it can be a lot of times. I look at some of these websites and I'm like, and you have, you have, you know, remember you have six or seven seconds to get someone's attention. Also, some people might be using while they're, while they're visiting the site. And I've also taken that into account. We need to make this super simple. And so for us, and everything is customizable, I should say, you know, what, what the chat function, the web forms, first and foremost, we make it look like your asset, the colors, the font, you know, the text will match your asset. The second thing is, you know, any of the flows that we include, you can change, but based on data, we know that, for example, you know, verification of benefits, pricing, availability meeting the, the individuals that work there, and then really most importantly, the ability to connect as fast as possible with an admissions counselor specialist. And the way that we've done that is we've made a conscious decision not to use live chat. Live chat is actually really difficult to get right. It's expensive. You need someone there 24-7. And, and there's usually a lag. And that lag, that lag could be the difference of somebody coming in or not. And that lag you know, even a minute is too long. And so what we've done is we've created the ability to either call, very obvious, or open up a texting conversation. So that puts the lead in control over the conversation. They can continue on their day and still have a conversation with an admission specialist. So those are like the primary objectives in behavioral health that we're trying to accomplish with our chat feature. Again, it's, you know, the, the ability to collect verification of, of uh, insurance information, pricing information, availability, and connecting with someone. And that is obviously the most important. Our web forms, we have these conversational web forms. They're like web forms, but kind of the next generation. They're just a lot more conversational. So it's simple, one question at a time, very easy to use, designed for a user. Everything we build, and I give credit to our team, is incredibly user-friendly and very simple to use. And so it works, you know, give the people what the people want and they'll use it. And we've done that. And we've done that because we know the journey and we know the user on both sides. We also understand what the admissions people are looking for. So the other benefit is on their end, you know, they're immediately getting all this information in a very pretty, nicely packaged format. I know everything about, let's say it's me. I know everything about Jimmy. 
You know, I, I know who he is, where he is, what he's coming from, what he's struggling with. So when I pick up that phone, you can immediately start a trusting relationship. Uh, and so for both parties, it just makes sense. That's an interesting point to go back to maybe the start of that, which is that what gets you somewhere isn't what will get you forward to the next step. So when we're designing websites, our biggest client is oftentimes Google, really, you know, and the people who are using Google, but the client is Google more or less. And so, yeah, to have a an SEO rich website, that's a wonderful thing. You know, certainly table stakes should do that. And that improves your competitive advantage. But once the human gets there and yeah, they could be using substances or you know, something you have to be aware of if it's maybe a caretaker or, you know, a, a variety of kind of personas or instances uh, of the use case, then making it as, as simple as possible and, and redefining the experience from Google to the human. That's, that's a really interesting point. I think we, we lose the message sometimes through optimization. We do, we do. And, and, you know, human element is huge, especially in this space. I mean, it's everything, you know, especially if I'm a family member. And I, again, I've been through, uh, I've been through this, you know, we went, we went to some great programs and we went to some really not great programs and dropping him off at the not great program was like pulling my heart out of my chest. And so if I could have had that individual had a trusting relationship with that individual in advance. I probably wouldn't have. Well, if if they were trusting, I would have gone, but they weren't, you know. And, and we found that out the hard way. And so, you know, the human element is huge here. Yes, we use artificial intelligence. Yes, we're very tech forward, but really, we're using tech to be more human, not less. You know, we're equipping admissions teams to be to be better at their job. So they, they can just focus on the individual and the problem and, and, you know, speak to the benefits of their program. You know, that's, you know, just get down to brass tacks, all this other stuff that they're normally occupied with, we can help automate away so that they're, they're actually armed with the information they need to be better at their job. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a little tangential, but I think it's relevant in that um, I've been, you know, I've been doing this podcast. This is, I don't know, episode maybe 27 or 28, depending on when it comes out. And, you know, I, when I started, it was minimally viable product. It was, I had this cool little intro, you know, it's like this musical little intro and, and I tried to just do what I could to like do podcasty things. And then I was talking with a podcast expert over the holidays and I'm thinking about hiring him for like podcast production. And he said, you know, what you should really do is you should have like 30 seconds or a minute of the conversation at the beginning. And that lets all the humans know and actually listen to what's being said in the conversation. Like they're not there for your intro, you know, they're there for the conversation. And so give them a taste of that. And then the other thing I've done, which was such a heavy lift before, is I use AI. So I'm using Riverside FM and they will generate show notes using AI. And then they'll generate these 30 second viral clips that you can edit and tweak a little bit before you send them out on Instagram and all the other social media platforms. It has made to your point, it's made it a more human accessible show through AI. 
And it frees me up to do more of my best work, which is not writing the show notes, going back a another hour after we end up talking to use another hour to just simply type out what's been said. Right. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Right. And that's the beauty of, of AI. You know, I think, I think a lot of people are kind of scared of it or don't know what to do with it. But I have a very, at least today, I have a very optimistic view on it. It's allowing us to be more human. You know, mm -hmm. there's, and we can fo focus on the creativity, which for, I feel like for the past 30 years, really, since the advent of computers, it's kind of gone the other way. You know, we've been stuck in programs and Excel and, you know, just sitting behind a computer. And now we have these amazing tools that are, if used correctly, allowing us to step out of that box and start to tap more into creativity, which by the way, is going to then, I think, positively impact technology. And it's kind of this positive feedback and hopefully freeing us up to be a better podcaster or be a better admission specialist, be a better husband, partner, whatever. Like these are, if used correctly, there's, there's an amazing future in front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I read a stat uh, maybe a year ago that was to the effect of the average U.S. adult spends 30 hours a week typing, you yeah. know? It's like that is almost a full-time job of us simply being typing machines. Right. And as silly as that sounds, or as like ridiculous as that sounds, freeing myself up from the need to type out words. It seems like, oh, it's just something I'm doing real quick, you know, but you actually track and log the hours and it's basically a full-time job I get back in order to do other things. And and then the second point to layer on that is, um, and I don't know if this effect has a name, it probably does. A friend of mine named Bob Hutchins taught me this, but he said, when a new technology comes out, it it makes an old technology or the previous technology somewhat obsolete. You know, we saw that with records and CDs and streaming. But then it also brings back to life an incredibly old technology or experience. So, you know, we see records, you yeah. know, having a new day in the sun as we live stream or we stream our music. And so it's I think it's going to be like that with AI. And I think you know we've had we've had windows of time and instances where ai was being worked on and it kind of came and went this one feels different to me this this feels like ai is is here to stay and and i'm curious what 
what will free us up where we can where we can better use our time for kind of a higher purpose than typing yeah you know it's interesting you're seeing it across all i i was playing around last night with a bot that was building it because i'm I, I, again like i was a founder i just can't ever turn that part of my brain off always coming up with ideas and exploring them and this was like a founder bot and within five minutes this thing had built me this end-to-end business plan based on like two prompts i gave it kind of my idea and my the persona the person that i want to target with this idea and 30 seconds later it spit out a business plan and a, an investor deck and honestly it got like 85 percent of the way there and i've spent a large portion of my career building these things mm-hmm. take me weeks weeks and this is spit it out in <laughs> 30 seconds that is wild and it wasn't none of it was incorrect like yes i, I would want to go back and yeah. tighten it up but maybe i put an hour into it if i was serious about this thing it was a total joke by the way i'll tell you about the idea offline but you know it, it's just amazing to me where we are with it but i will say kind of pulling it back you know there are definite challenges the way that we use ai you know it's it's not like you you come to a one of our clients or partners websites and it's not a gpt like experience you know it's not just ask anything and get anything and and that is by design because you know there's especially in sensitive subject matters like we're talking about i don't think we're at a stage yet where you can really just trust uh, ai to give the right answer there there's things known as uh, ai will hallucinate you know yeah. it might which means it will give you an incorrect answer and there's there are instances of this with some of these therapy bots that are out there that are giving clients really bad recommendations, like really bad recommendations. You know, if someone's suffering from depression, it might tell you to kind of go further down that path. And there's there's examples of this. So when it comes to, you know, what we're discussing, it's not quite there yet. I think it will definitely get there and probably in short order. But it where we are using artificial intelligence, at least in behavioral health, it's more advanced in the senior living side. What we're using in behavioral health is on the back end, more predictive modeling, understanding who 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 is you know most likely to become an admin in in this case. We're exploring the creation of our own large language models for more of a front end experience, but we have to be really careful and prudent about how we deploy those, given the sensitive nature of what we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So you're not, you're not letting the entire genie out of the bottle. You're, you're kind of using some of AI's strengths and then filtering it or curating it and, and using some parts that you have a a high degree or complete degree of confidence in to serve up the workflow. Is that a little bit of it? Similar on the, on the front end, like the user, a lot of it's logic based right now. Okay. Very simple to use. The, again, the AI that we're using is is more on the back end. But for right now, a lot of it's just logic based, very fast, very easy to use. I see. Uh, but okay. that is training future models. Like the, the information we're getting and learning is training future models. Okay, got it. So the AI for you is behind the curtain and the the kind of logical workflows are, are by design, mostly by humans based on your research and uh, what people need now. Okay. The other big thing here to remember is, you know, we're fully HIPAA compliant. And that's another thing that we want to ensure, you know, we're always 
very smart about. And that's also where live chat gets hairy. Most live chat solutions, in fact, I don't really know any, there could be some out there, but I don't know any that are HIPAA compliant. Oh, okay. And so that's something that we're very cautious about as well. We take that very seriously. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure that, that we continue to take that very seriously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You And you mentioned you can flow people into a, a text message conversation or a phone call with, with a live person. You know, from a communication standpoint, generally, and maybe there's a tie in here with marketing. I don't know how much you interface with like the Web3 world or, you know, uh, blockchain and all of that. It seems like AI and blockchain are are like two sisters running full force toward world domination. And I do get to interface with the with the Web 3.0 side of things on the art side, as well as kind of the charting side, but really on the art side. And my point is, what you didn't mention is email. And I, I love email marketing. Like we use MailChimp and that's not a sponsored mention. It's just who we use. And I love them. It's where our transactions happen. We have a really tight opted in community there. But as I interact with Web3 people, there is no email. I mean, it's Discord and Telegram and like these other applications, but email is, I think Web3 is going to kill email. I don't know if you have an idea on that. I do because I'm also a Web3 official. Okay. Awesome. We do have email, by the way. I failed to mention. We okay. do we have email. And there's a whole nurturing aspect to some of our, our features as well. Like we can drop people into nurturing campaigns via email or text. And we're rolling out some, some new cool email features. That said, I agree with you. Uh, you know, before I joined further, I was an entrepreneur in residence and I built a DAO. You're familiar with the DAO? Sure. Yeah. Uh, for gig workers, which is essentially like a digital co-op for gig workers. And the idea there was to share the wealth. You know, if you imagine Uber, but Uber being owned by all those that are working on the project, it's the future. Blockchain is the future. It's, it's wonderful for, for a lot of, a lot of use cases. I mean, there's still a lot of things that need to get worked out, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm a big mid journey fan. That's where I get my creative outlet. I've done some really, I'll also share some offline with you. Really awesome. fun and funny uh, pieces, I guess you would call them. Although the art community would challenge you on that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I live on Discord and Telegram. And I think the future uh, of communication is definitely going to change. And I think specifically when it comes to, again, you know, sensitive conversations like we're talking about, there's some big use cases for putting that on chain. And I look forward to that. I, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, when I was kind of in it, it was kind of the peak of Web3 hysteria and it was, everything was happening at breakneck speed. And I honestly had to take a step back. It was also coinciding with some of the other the events that I mentioned earlier. But now I think, you know, it's tracking your typical innovation curve where we're kind of in that trough of disillusion and then we're going to come out the other side. And I think over the next five to 10 years, you're going to see some major advancements on that front. Again, the biggest detriment to what I built for the DAO was onboarding. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a comp onboarding to Web3 and some of these new ideas of, of, you know, what is a token? How does that work? What is blockchain? Mm -hmm. You know, we're not there yet. And so there's a, there's a small portion of the population that understands all of that. But we will, we will eventually reach a critical mass where everyone's going to be a part of this world. I'm very excited by it. I think it's it's potentially a solution to a lot of problems that we're facing. 
And for me, including, you know, we can have a whole other podcast on this, but including like equalities, socioeconomic equalities and meritocracies. I mean, you're talking about building platforms where you're, you're quite literally rewarded for the work that you put into it. It's a one-to-one relationship. And so I see a very positive future with Web3 and blockchain. A lot of kinks that still need to get worked out, but it's going to make its way into behavioral health eventually in some way. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate you trying to tie that in. I'm I'm super delighted that you you speak eloquently about that. It was it's typically not something comes that comes up in a, a conversation about people promoting mental health is is blockchain and DAOs, and the D in DAO is decentralized, right? That's the decentralization aspect of organizations and that can be that can be anything and since we're just living in the present in the moment here i'm just gonna i'm gonna go with this conversation because you have a perspective on it and i was talking with somebody about yeah you know to your point about like a meritocratic you know sort of equality measure there's an idea i learned about recently about like like a sovereign a sovereign state that's not connected to a geo to a geography you know so like anybody can anybody can join this country but there's no physical land per se and that that blew my mind for like a couple days so just thinking about that idea and unrooting myself from like a, a traditional standpoint yeah i mean one of the most interesting things to me when i that i haven't heard of that and that's fascinating what i found really interesting was when you got into that world when you're living on discord or telegram no one had a photo of themselves you didn't know who you were talking to everybody had an avatar and that and, and without without their real names right everybody had a, a handle and immediately that does so much you know we make so many assumptions based on what someone looks like what their name is where mm-hmm. do they live what school did they go to in web3 land you don't know any of them is all you know is their behavior and what work they're doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really fascinating. It kind of, you know, it reprograms us in a different way that I'm unsure of what that actually means other than to say I was reprogrammed. I don't know. I had no assumptions about anyone other than those two points, what they were doing and kind of their behaviors online. I have so much to say about that. So the, like fascinating and it reminds me of that study and i'm going to chop up some of the details but the heart of the story is the same where it was a symphony trying out there was like cellists or violin players trying out for this role and it was always a man selected and so they drew this curtain so that the person trying out would walk out and the judges wouldn't be able to see them and the men were still selected and they they tried to figure out why because they thought they had blinded the study and it turned out that you could hear the woman's heels as she walked across the stage. Uh-oh, and so they did it again and they took off her heels and and she was selected. But I to to the anon, the anonymity and the anonymous point. So I was down in Miami for Art Basel and what I witnessed were it's this like coming out of the shadows. There's this anonymous culture. So everybody has two names. It's like, I'm Steve and I'm also Codezilla or whatever. I'm not Codezilla, but there was one. And You're he, Godzilla? what? 
you're you're Codezilla. No, I'm not. I'm not Codezilla. But I met him, and I well, I I met him, and then I watched him meet somebody else, and that somebody else said, "Oh, you're Codezilla," just like what you said. And he's like, "Yeah," and also my name is you know. So everybody has two names, and and there are organizations like Innerworld where there's a behavioral health play with an anonymous nature to it. And that's a very fascinating, you know, free, safe space for stories to be told without, without your, your identification attached to it. And I think there's a space, a place for that too. But I, I, I saw in like IRL, as I say, in, in the real world, I saw people in web three and crypto land coming into very important relationships with each other in the real world. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we do still crave those relationships. You know, and, and I went to a couple conferences when I was in it. I went to an Ethereum conference and a nice. Solana conference, and then I went to Bitcoin Miami. What I also found really interesting were the different, each one had its own tribe, and mm-hmm. each tribe is very different philosophically and emotionally really when you meet these people but there was you know when they met in real life yeah there was this, there's still this bond and and I think because it's such new technology and it's very exciting everybody gets very jazzed up with each other and there are some incredibly intelligent people working on these problems yes I mean, it gives me chills because right now most of them aren't I mean they're they're not they're doing a lot of it on the side. Like, you know, the days of flipping NFTs and making huge money, that's behind us. You know, you're going to, you, yes, you've got some people making, making good money, but a lot of these people are just really believe in the potential in the future of this technology and this movement. It's a movement. And, you know, I think it's super fascinating and you get all walks of life. I would really be interested in exploring inner world. I didn't, I don't know about it. I'm, I'm, as we're having this conversation, the application of Web3 and mental health, I mean, I would love to explore that more. I think I think we should definitely be having these conversations because, you know, the anonymity aspect of Web3 lends itself so well to this very subject matter. You know, so much of seeking treatment or getting sober, there's such a, we all know there's such a shame aspect surrounding it, such a shame aspect. And so if we can do anything to move the needle on that front, and I think there's a lot of applications in, in, in Web3 and with blockchain to, to solve some of these problems. And, and now my mind is like going a million miles an hour. How do we do that? Me too. Yeah, me too. How do we, how do we make connections, s- solve for loneliness, yeah. solve for the swings? You know, s- swings can be asymmetrically wonderful or asymmetrically very difficult, like what you experience where it's like, oh, not just one thing falls apart, everything falls apart and it compounds. It's not linear. So how do we, how do we be, yeah, you're like, yeah, I know. How do we be there for people when they need it? And that window that you mentioned, that window is really important which is like, we have to be always on and we're just humans. So how can we, how can we use every tool around us with the right amount of leverage, not over leveraged, but the right amount of leverage in the tools, which is just what tools are hammers and saws and everything. It's all, it's all leverage. How can we use things like AI? I'll tell you another intersection, you know, we've kind of made this a two way intersection. I think there's a third 
mm-hmm. that I noticed in the Web3 community that I'm now seeing a lot in the recovery community, and that's psychedelics. Yes. And I don't really have a thesis or an opinion as to why that is, but that is something that I see in both those communities being discussed at length. I have some ideas, but I do think it's interesting that there is this overlap. You know, I've been fortunate enough to sit with some medicines myself, so I understand the power of it. And, and but there is this common theme about healing through, you know, the plant, plant medicine that is in Web3 that is also now making its way into the recovery conversation. That's fascinating. I, so I run this conference, if anybody doesn't know, it's the Mental Health Marketing Conference. And last year we did a, a debate on AI. We had pro and con just as a way to pick size and, and just embrace the tension. And we also separately booked a person named Matt Zeman, who wrote a book, Psychedelics for Everyone, which is quite the title. And Interestingly, he refers to psychedelics, which I haven't, I haven't tried. I'm interested in trying that experience in a controlled environment is he refers to psychedelics as technology, Yeah, um, you know, and that, I thought was a, that was a new spin for me. I was interested and he's fascinating. I'll send you his talk, uh, just offline. I'll send you a link to him. He was wonderful and he does have a, a perspective on not just the legislation state by state, but when, when and how psychedelics should and should not interface, you know, with mental illness or mental health um, conditions that need, you know, a type of care that shouldn't be mixed with psychedelics. He's really nuanced and he was really great. So I'll send that to you. Yes, please do. That's fascinating. But it's, it's this, it's this interesting intersection that's happening and I'm here to follow it. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I also think as it relates to recovery, and, and this was a common theme at some of the conferences I went to, very common theme uh, this past year, 2020. Um, you know, they're, they're just getting such wonderful results that, you know, again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a shaman, but I'm excited to see where both of these subject matters take us as it relates to mental health. Because, you know, I think for a while, Maybe, and again, I'm not a doctor, but it kind of feels like we were doing a lot of the same over and over and over again. And now it feels like we actually have some really big potential innovations that can help all of us, uh, mm-hmm. especially those in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a, per- I think it's a, that's a, an incredibly insightful dovetail into what we're talking about. And maybe full circle, maybe that is part of that, uh, uh, that old technology, you know, that's being renewed in some way, you know, as right. we can, as we can right. get our hands off the keyboards and, and if we have an optimistic viewpoint that, you know, despite everything is humanity circling toward higher consciousness, you know, which we can look way back and it's easy to see that we're not, um, in the, you know, the industrial age, we're not, we're not largely like, lifting stones and cutting logs, you know, we're, we're doing mind work and how do we move toward higher mind work or maybe spiritual work, things of that nature, perhaps that's, that's a curiosity in my mind is where, where are we going? You know, Well, I'll tell you just a personal anecdote there. 
the times that I've sat with some plant medicines, a lot, I felt a lot. But the biggest takeaway for me was this giant hug by anyone I have ever met in my entire life, living or dead. I walked away with that from that experience with an overwhelming sense of connection and belonging. And I know, again, I, 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 I guess I'm in like recovery adjacent as not as a loved one, but I know that loneliness is often a driving force to use. And so if you can just feel that hug that I felt, have to imagine that's going to happen. Beautiful. Hmm. Let's end it there. And I hope everybody listens to this point. I'm going to make sure I encourage everybody to listen to minute 45 of this conversation. This has been a really enjoyable conversation that opened a path that I wasn't expecting. And I'm really delighted it did. But Jimmy, thank you for coming on and sharing your story and and also about further. That's really valuable. And then just thank you for just being us, somebody to to just walk on the path with and kind of, you know, it turns and it has its corners and we can't always see far down the road. So I appreciate that as far as this hour is concerned, even just going along the journey with me. Yeah, Steve, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm so excited to be at the conference in the fall. And if there's a Web3 psychedelics panel, count me in. Okay, yeah, totally. You'd have a lot to say about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, I'm going to sign off. Have a good one, Jimmy. Thank you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.